you are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 187 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's show, since the A's aren't making any moves, I'm going over the moves that the rest of the teams have made in the AL West. Later in this week, I got a crossover pod with Locked On Sharks coming your way, so be on the lookout for that. But there is a lot to get into on today's episode, so let's get straight into it. But before I do, as always, please follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So let's start today off with the Mariners, who are a team on the rise with some pitching. They could be a real nuisance for the A's in 2021. And the only two players that they're losing to free agency this offseason are C.J. Edwards, who I mentioned could be a nice addition for the A's bullpen, and D. Strange Gordon. Uh, That's pretty much it. Otherwise, the team is staying largely intact for 2021. Obviously, Kyle Lewis is just like a year into his uh, big league career, so he's going to be a big pain in the A's. But for quite a while, uh, he is the reigning AL Rookie of the Year, so gotta watch out for him. But uh, this is not about a team preview series. This is about things that they have done throughout the course of the offseason. So uh, at the beginning of the offseason, they re-signed Kendall Graveman and signed some arms to minor league deals, a lot like the A's. And then this month, they also signed Sam Travis to a minor league deal. And Travis came up with the Red Sox, but was traded to Texas in a minor deal last January. He's listed as a first baseman, but he's also had some time in left field, which is where I'm guessing Seattle will use him since they already have Evan White locked up to play first base. And he just won the gold glove. So I don't see Evan White being moved whatsoever. So Sam Travis probably going to get some time in left field during spring training. See if he's a fit for the Mariners moving forward. In his career, he's hit 230 with a 288 on base percentage across 278 plate appearances, and that's over the course of three major league seasons. And I think that it's going to be interesting to see if the Mariners hit on this one because he was the Sox number three ranked prospect as early as uh, 2017 or as late as 2017, I guess, because, you know, after he gets some playing time in the major leagues, he's not a prospect anymore. So uh, at that time, though, MLB Pipeline said he could turn into a player similar to Kevin Euglis with fewer walks. And if that happens, uh, no, thank you. Uh, that would be terrible. Um, so at the very least, this is an intriguing ad for the Mariners, and I could see it him turn into a trade piece with a good couple of months as Seattle continues to build for the future. Uh, maybe they flip him for other parts, like pitching, because they need pitching, and their future outfield's already kind of set. So I don't think Sam Travis is going to be staying in Seattle for very long, but he could have a nice little season for the, uh, the Mariners for however long he's with the club. But moving on, the Mariners also claimed righty Robert Duggar off of waivers from the Marlins. He is a 25-year-old that was originally taken in the draft by Seattle, but was traded to Miami in the deal that netted the Mariners' D. Strange Gordon back in 2017. So uh, they won their guy back, they got him back on waivers, and he's been pretty solid up until he got up to AAA and posted a 7.59 ERA in 10 starts. His home run rate also shot up that year, which just happened to be 2019 when big league ball started being
being used at the AAA level, and we saw a big increase in home run rates across the board. So maybe it had something to do with that. His home run rate doubled that season, which coincidentally led to a doubling of his ERA. That season, it could have been the balls that he was getting adjusted to, but he did also get into four games with the fish in 2020. He started one of those and he posted a 1266 ERA. It's a very small sample, so that shouldn't be that worrisome. Uh, instead, it's his K per nine rate of 338 and his walks per nine of 253 that kind of concerned me a little bit. Uh, I mean, as far as I can be concerned for a waiver claim that the Mariners had, there is my concern level. Uh, the walk rate is where it should be, but that K rate seems that he's either been getting hit around pretty easily or he doesn't have a put away, which maybe the Mariners have an idea of how to solve him. Uh, maybe returning to the team to drafted him is going to be the change that he needs to reach that next level and become a major league regular. We shall find out. But moving on to the other signing that the Mariners had, and that is when they signed Mets right or former Mets righty Chris Flexen to a two year deal. Flexen spent parts of three seasons in Queens, but never really had great results, finishing with a cumulative 8.07 ERA and a whip over two. He spent the 2020 season in Korea with the KBO's Doosan Bears. Did they win the KBO title? I'm going to say that they did. The Worlder Series. Uh, good job on Doosan. It might not have been them. But Chris Flexen was definitely there with them, whether or not they won that World Series, Worlder Series championship. And uh, as a starter for the team, he held a 3.01 ERA with a 1089 whip, which is pretty solid. And this is a pretty interesting signing because there has to be more going on under the hood than some prettier numbers that led to that two-year deal because the KBO KBO is roughly the equivalent of double A, so the numbers shouldn't mean much in terms of a dramatic turnaround that Flexen had. So uh, they could, however, be a symptom of some tweaks that Flexen has made in his pitch selection or delivery. Again, I am not a mechanics guy, so maybe uh, they notice something or they feel like they can tweak him a little bit because a uh, two-year deal that he signed, I think it was like four, four and a half million dollars. It's, it's not a lot. So uh, it's a nice little risk that they're taking here and maybe it pays off for him. So we'll see. And the last move that the Mariners have made is that they selected right Will Vest as the 12th pick in the Rule 5 draft from the Tigers. Vest was ranked the number one player on Seattle's board heading into the draft, and they feel that his changeup is among the best in the minors, according to Mariners assistant GM Justin Hollander, and that comes from the Seattle Times. And Hollander in this article also said that they feel he could be a three-pitch reliever with a solid fastball changeup combo, and he also has a slider that's coming along. It's either average or slightly above average. So that could be an intriguing thing to watch throughout the course of the season. How is uh, Will Vest doing? Uh, he moved from A ball to a brief stint in AAA in 2019. He went all the way up through the minors. And while his overall stats were solid for the year, his whip rose dramatically from 0.75 in high A to the mid ones in double and triple A. So it basically doubled from 0.75 to one and a half. And uh, that's not a great thing as he had faced more advanced hitters. Maybe he did some improving in the instructionals or uh, in the alternate site, but uh, I don't have access to these stats. So the Mariners definitely did some sort of research to land him with their first pick in the uh, Rule 5 draft. But that wraps up the Mariners' big signings from this point in the offseason. We are recording this on December 13th. So by the time you listen to this, it might be the 14th. Uh, so, yeah, not a lot going on uh, overall in baseball, but the, the Texas Rangers, who I'm going to talk about right now, uh, they've made some moves, and I'm very confused as to what the hell they're doing, but let's talk about it. Uh, they had big free agents in Shinsu Chu and Corey Kluber, and then they non-tendered their first baseman, Danny Santana. Uh, 
Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is going to be their shortstop, which is super interesting. And uh, I don't know what they're doing with Elvis Andrews. So uh, Texas, they're just burning it down from the inside and I enjoy it. And then they also traded Lance Lynn to the White Sox just like last week. And they brought in Dane Dunning and a low minors lefty and Avery Weems, who's not going to be seeing time in 2021. So they brought in Dave, not even Dave, Dane Dunning. So his name's alliterative, so that's cool. Uh, Dunning was decent in his big league debut last year, posting a 3.97 ERA across seven starts. His K per nine and uh, walks per nine looked decent, so he could be a nice addition to the Ranger rotation for years to come, but he's still not at the Lance Lynn level. Going into a Dane Dunning start, I'm not going to be wondering if the A's are going to be no hit that day like I would be for a Lance Lynn start. So, uh, you know, it, it's going to be nice facing Dane Dunning instead of Lance Lynn. Very much on board for this one. And uh, this is obviously good news for the A's because Lance Lynn held the A's to four runs in 19 and a third innings last year, and the A's bats hit just 162 against him. And just by comparison, I did some quick research on that game three in the wildcard series, and uh, Dane Dunning went two thirds of an inning and uh, gave up two hits. So I'm start, I really like the A's chances against Double D over here. And uh, I, if he goes, you know, if he goes 10 outs, he gives up 10 hits. That's just the math. And that's indisputable. So come at me with your math stats, but that's that's the math right there. Um, other moves that they have made include claiming catcher RMS Garcia off of waivers from the Giants and in his two quick stints with San Francisco, he hit 286 in 2018 and then 143 in 2019, but his strikeout percentage has stayed fairly steadily around 45%. So uh, that's terrible. Um, that's a really, really, really high strikeout percentage when you're not doing much else. Uh, that seems like he's getting more overmatched as opposed to like a Joey Gallo who will hit the crap out of the ball, but also strike out. And over at Roster Resource on Fangraphs, they have Garcia as the Rangers' backup catcher at the moment, so I am very much looking forward to those at-bats. And sticking over at Roster Resource, the Rangers currently have two guys in their projected rotation that had ERAs over 7 in 2020, and I just don't know how they're going to go about fixing their roster to make it look competitive next season. After trading Lance Lynn and letting Corey Kluber walk it wouldn't surprise me if they traded Joey Gallo because why the hell not at this point uh the only reason they wouldn't is so that his stock could rebound a little bit and show prospective suitors that his first half in 2019 was not a mirage uh so that's one part of it but then at the same time they go ahead and add David Dahl for one year and three million dollars which is a real head scratcher I don't know what they're doing here Dahl has been a solid contributor for the Rockies when he can stay healthy. And another question that some have when it comes to Dahl is whether or not he can produce those same offensive numbers outside of Coors Field. And it sure feels like we're going to find out because from the looks of it, the new globe life is a lot more of a pitcher's park where home runs from mere mortals go to die. So maybe that's the plan this winter is add some so-so pitchers and then they can get by at home because they play in a cavern, but then they try to make some improvements offensively. If that's what's going on, it's a really weird strategy because I don't know that they necessarily know what their ballpark uh, factors are just yet. But uh, at, at this point, that's the only thing that kind of makes sense to me. Uh, I'll have to have Bryce Patrick of Locked On Rangers on and talk to him about that. Uh, we are planning on doing a crossover episode with uh, the guy from Locked On Rockies, and we're going to do a, a special Festivus episode for you guys next week. So uh, be on the lookout for that one, too. So, uh, yeah, at this point in the offseason, though, I think that it's easy to pencil the Rangers into the basement of the AL West next year. And uh, I, I love putting them in the basement. Uh, there's another team from Texas that I'd like to put down there, too, but uh, they're, st 
still kind of decent. And we're going to talk about them here in just one minute, because coming up on the show, we have one team that's losing some big tone and one that is at least kind of trying to get better. So stay locked in with Locked On A's and we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you guys by the best tasting protein bar ever. That is right, my friends. We are talking about Built Bar, and the improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. They have six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They also have their original 12 flavors, like coconut almond, raspberry, and German chocolate, and all of their bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They are protein bars that taste like candy bars, and all of their bars are built for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat, and their bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. So all you gotta do to get your hands on some of these delicious treats is go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you guys like hearing podcasts. Tell a friend, leave ratings or reviews, do all the usual stuff that you do for podcasts that you like. Uh, follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. But before I get back into the show, I have a special mes- message for all you basketball fans from uh, the Locked On Company. So here we go. <clears throat> NBA fans, listen up. The Locked On NBA podcast is getting you ready for the start of the regular season with a special week of team preview podcasts all this week, plus waiver wire editions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball and rookies to watch from draft guru Chad Ford. Chad Ford is a big deal, you guys. So you got to check him out. And uh, for my part, I'll be definitely tuning into the preview of the Locked On Warriors podcast. They do a great job over there. They give me all the news that I need on Jason Richardson and Monte Ellis and Andres Biedrins and Baron Davis. They keep me up to date with what's going on with the Warriors. So give them a shout out too. Uh, all you got to do is subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you like hearing podcasts. You can do the same thing for Locked On Warriors or Locked On in Fantasy Basketball. The basketball season is starting up again already and that's really surprising. And with uh, no baseball, I'm probably going to watch more basketball than I usually do. So I am very excited to uh, tune into some of these podcasts and uh, give my teams a follow. So, uh, But anyways, let's kick off the second half of today's show talking about everybody's least favorite team, the Houston Astros. To start, the Astros lost Brad Peacock, Michael Brantley, George Springer, Josh Reddick, Roberto Osuna, and Chris Davinsky to free agency. They also lost Dustin Garneau, who will be now pursuing an NFL career after his takedown of Ramon Laureano in the Yo Mama Gate. So with Garneau out of the way, watch your back, Alex Centrone. But enough fun and games for you guys. I mentioned a little bit earlier in the offseason that Davinsky could be an interesting option for the A's to consider on a, like a minor league deal if he was open to that. And uh, like the rest of the Astros free agents, he is still on the market. So that is still something that could come to fruition. Uh... That's just a lot of talent coming off of the roster for Houston, and the Mets appear to be the front runner for Springer, and if I had to guess, Brantley could be the one that would come back, likely on like a two or three year deal, and uh, I have no idea what's going to happen with Josh Reddick, and my guess is he's going to be signing in late January, early February, uh, without the markets moving so far. He's not necessarily one of the most coveted uh, outfield prospects or uh, free agents. And uh, yeah, he's good, but he's not great. He plays good defense, but I don't know that uh, teams are going to be targeting that in the coming uh, 
weeks, maybe in the coming month or two. So we'll see how that one goes. Uh, Houston is going to be getting Joe Smith back in 2021 after he opted out last season due to COVID concerns. So that will be a nice boost for their bullpen. And then they also traded away Brandon Bailey to the Reds in exchange for Freddie Medina, who is uh, a low minors prospect. And you may remember that Brandon Bailey was actually the player that the A's traded to Houston to get Ramon Laureano. So it looks like they won that trade fairly handily, actually. And the final transaction for the Astros this offseason so far is uh, one of the Locked On A's favorite players that was on the team. Now they are not. And that is uh, Cy Sneed, who was uh, released by the Astros, and he later signed on to play in Japan. So he's go- he's taking his talents abroad. And by talents, I mean eh, for giving up leads. Um, anyways, with all of these departures, the roster hinges a little bit on the health of Jordan Alvarez heading into 2021. If he's in there, then all of a sudden you can see some potential from some of the bats that they have still on the roster. But if he's missing time like he did in 2020, then they have Kyle Tucker, who should continue to keep improving. He's probably one of their more solid bats at this point. Uh, you got Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve, who had really rough 2020s. Carlos Correa's in a walk year, so... If he can stay healthy, obviously he's pretty good. And then Yuli Gurriel, who looks to be aging as, you know, their key players. Uh, I I don't know that they have enough to work with an offense right there, Uh, especially if Altuve and Bregman do not pick it up without the cheating in 2021. Uh, They also have somebody named uh, Chaz McCormick slotted to play left field for them, according to Roster Resource. And they got Miles Straw, the speedy guy in center field. Uh, So my guess is that they're going to be going after some outfield help this winter. I don't know who they're going to be going after. There's lots of names out there. Uh, Michael Brantley, again, is one person that they could go after. And if they're sticking with people in left field, there's uh, still Brett Gardner, Jack Peterson, Kyle Schwarber, uh, Profar, if you really want to throw him out there, Robbie Grossman, Eddie Rosario, Ryan Braun. There's some options for them to go after in left field that would maybe not be as good as Michael Brantley, but still offer a little bit of upside for them. So I feel like they'll still be doing some moves, but I don't know how active they're going to be on the market uh, making trades and all that stuff because they got a new GM still, uh, James Click. He's different than the old guy. So uh, yeah, we, we don't know what his MO is. Are they going to be spending money with a potential lockout coming next winter? Who We, we don't know where they're sitting, especially with uh, being the most hated team in baseball. So anyways, let's wrap up this pod talking about the team that has made the most impact moves so far this winter, and that is the Los Angeles Angels. And by impact moves, I mean uh, in the, AL West. Obviously, the uh, the White Sox are movers and shakers, but the Angels are doing the, the heavy lifting in the AL West. So, free agency did not hit the Halos nearly as hard as the Astros, with them losing Julio Tehran, who might be an addition by subtraction after going 0 for 4 with an ERA over 10 last season. And then the other guy that they lost is Angelton Simmons, who had been with the team since 2016, but uh, they've already found the replacement at short, so Simmons will be in a new uniform in 2021. Is it going to be in the green and gold? It's still a possibility, actually. But let's stick with what the Angels have been doing. In November, they signed 14 guys to minor league contracts. Six of those were right-handed pitchers, two lefties, two outfielders, and one of each at first, second, shortstop, and catcher. So obviously, you look at those signings and you're like, man, that is a lot of adding that they are doing this winter. But at the same time, it also speaks to a little bit of a lack of depth that they have in the minor leagues. So they're being active, but... They're also needing to catch up to at least two teams in the AL West in the A's and Astros. So that's what I take all these minor league signings as. Is, hey, maybe we can fix one of these guys and see what happens. The Angels have also made a couple of trades to help them uh, try to improve at the very least. Uh, they made a deal with the Baltimore Orioles to bring in Jose Iglesias as their new shortstop. And this move is interesting. Is 
adding Iglesias a big deal. I mean, not necessarily. He barely draws walks. Uh, last season, or, you know, in 2020, he had a walk rate of 2% in 39 games. And uh, that's not great. But he also hit 373 with a 400 on base, which is not sustainable because he had a 407 uh, B- BABIP, or batting average on balls in play. So if he put the ball in play, he was hitting 407, which that's like 100 points above league average. That's not going to happen. So uh, over the course of a full season, those numbers are going to be going down a little bit. And then you take them out of Baltimore, where it's a very hitter-friendly ballpark, and they may go down just a touch more. So I don't know if you're going to be counting on him hitting 373 in 2021. I think that if the Angels get a league average bat from Iglesias, they'd probably be happy with that. But it's definitely not a given that he's going to be at least league average with his bet. So are they betting on his defense? It's been good, but not anywhere near the level of Angelton Simmons. So all in all, this looks like a deal where they may have found a replacement, but may also have made the Angels just a little bit worse than having Angelton Simmons, who had been fairly league average with the bet, but also providing very, very good defense, uh, you know, in the field, obviously. So uh, I don't know if this is a great move for them, but, you know, hey, they don't have to pay anybody to play shortstop for them. So kudos to them, I guess. Uh, The big move for this winter for the Angels has been Hobie Milner electing free agency last week. And you may remember Hobie Milner from such appearances against the A's as coming into the game on opening night, throwing one pitch and letting Matt Olson hit a grand slam to walk it off. So Hobie Milner is no more for the Angels. Um, Yeah, I mean, he did actually elect free agency, but that wasn't the Angels' biggest move. Instead, it was that they traded Noe Ramirez to the Reds in exchange for Rysel Iglesias. And uh, for those keeping score at home, that's two big acquisitions that both have the name Iglesias, and they're totally going to be bringing in Enrique to sing Hero for them next season. That's going to be their new rally monkey, I imagine, is just uh, (laughs) Enrique Enrique Iglesias just in a cage singing Hero whenever either of them, like whenever Rysel Iglesias comes in uh, to pitch or whenever Jose Iglesias does, well, he doesn't really hit home runs, so it's not going to be that. Whenever he gets a walk. Ooh, whenever he gets a walk, that'll be fun because he does not do that very often either. <laughs> he he doesn't do either of those like at all. But anyway, Rysel Iglesias has been closing out games for the Reds for the past five seasons and is a big upgrade over... I, whoever was doing that for the Angels last season, I legitimately do not remember because uh, they didn't come into many games against the A's. Uh, He has been racking up double-digit strikeout rates and low walk rates in his time with the Reds, and taking him out of the hitter-friendly Great American Ballpark will probably help him out just a little bit. Throw him into Angels Stadium. He'll be doing okay. Typically, I'd argue that the teams in the AL West are a little bit better, so that move may be diminished a little bit, but he's on the Angels, so he doesn't have to face Trout, Otani, and Rendon, and, uh, The A's are, you know, a solid lineup, but they're prone to slumping. The Rangers are going to be pretty bad with the bats. The Mariners are up-and-comers and have some upside, but not a ton of proven talent over the course of a full season. And the Astros are just kind of incomplete at the moment. So he may actually be really good in the AL West uh, as opposed to facing guys in the NL Central. So that should be interesting. So Iglesias could be looking at a pretty solid year in 2021. And my guess is that he's going to have somewhere around a three ERA and 33 saves, depending on how many situations it gets put into. So if you're looking at the entire AL West with the moves that have been made so far, I'd have to say that the A's are at the top of the heap, even though they haven't done a whole ton, uh, followed by the Angels. I think I'm slotting in at number two. And that's partially because I think that they have a couple more medium to big moves that will make them 
uh, that they will make, that will put them into that second place position. The Astros still have a lot of talent, but they were able to hang around 500 in like a 60 game season last year. And uh, I, I don't think that they're going to be able to necessarily do that after losing talents, doing it with fans in the stands, and then also having to do it over the course of a much fuller season. If it's going to be 162, then sure. But if it's going to be like 140, uh, it, it's going to be more than 60, I imagine, for the, the upcoming baseball season. So um, yeah, I, I don't know that they're going to be able to super glue their bullpen that was full of guys that don't pitch in the majors. Uh through a fuller season in 2021. So I think that they could take a step back just on those three factors alone. Um, Depending on how much the Mariners improve and how much the Astros fall, Seattle could legitimately end up in third or fourth place, according to to my bold predictions here, uh, because that is kind of the uh, the idea behind this Westwatch thing. Is I know that I'm not you know doing a whole ton of reporting on game scores here, but the the sole purpose of Westwatch has always been to push the Astros down in the standings, and so I am doing that. I'm placing them number four. I'm gonna go with number four, depending on how the uh, the Mariners improve. But anyways, uh, coming in dead last, and that is the Rangers who will be one of the worst teams in the American League. I think that the Tigers are going to be better than them, so that basically just leaves the Orioles as their only real competition for that bottom spot. Uh, it's going to be fun keeping up with all these throughout the course of the offseason. Maybe I'll update you guys like once a month, or if there's a big move, I'll say how it impacts the A's and all that stuff. But I'll make sure to keep doing these way-too-early power rankings AL West edition because uh, they're fun, and I like making fun of teams. Uh, I'll, I'll have to do more of that next time. But uh, anyways, that is it for me today, you guys. I've got that crossover pod with Locked On Sharks coming up for you guys this week, so be on the lookout for that. So until next time, stay indoors and celebrate good times, Oakland. Keep wearing those masks, and I'll talk to you guys later.